0: So glad you're here, and this is, of course, uh, lunch for the bunch day. So it's one of the hardest preaching mornings you have because you have to fight with the smell of food. But that's okay. We can end early and eat, and that'll be great too. So uh, glad for that. We are going to make some changes to lunch for the bunch. We're not like change it, but we're just going to have maybe like different food bringing options in the coming months. We're not planning to end lunch for the bunch by any means. Uh, one of the families this morning said. You know our kids this is their favorite sunday is lunch for the bunch and so of course it's good and of course on a day of minus 30 uh, plus wind chill how else do you get people to church except food right so that's 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 a bonus too right so here we are uh, lunch for the bunch glad you're here we've been on a journey talking about moving up and out in new life in jesus christ that's what we're going to talk about every week at new life some way some angle of that is going to be taken from god's word and we're going to talk about it but the question is how do you make those how do you move up and out and so I'm outlining for you some steps the first step is you start up a relationship with God through Jesus Christ Uh, beyond that you show up and you become a part of his family and you become and you you grow together with other Christians in this thing called the church Uh, last week we talked about stepping up so now you're 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 a follower of Jesus you're part of his family and now you're 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 becoming you're serving you're using what you have to bless and help others and today, we move into the, to the kind of the next realm that's called give up, uh, where we take that, that next step. And then, of course, next week, we're going to talk about rise up. Now, understand, this is not just a pure linear process, okay? I started up. I'm done starting up. I, I show up. I don't have to show up ever again. You know, I, I, st- I step up. I, you know, I did it once. I'm done. Like, men especially, okay? You can't, like, check off a box. Hey, I've, I've stepped up. I'm done. No. You got to keep stepping up, right? You've got to keep showing up, right? Um, you know, we, we, we stand at the altar with, with our spouses, and we declare our love to each other. We, that, that's the beginning of a lifetime of, of declaration of love. It doesn't end at, that, at the moment of the wedding. It, it continues now until death do us part. And here, as we start up, we show up, we step up, and now we get to this place called giving up. And for everyone in this room, it's going to mean something different. Because in every phase of our life, God invites us to release so that he can fill our hands and our lives with something else, something better, something different, something that will move us up and out in new life in Jesus Christ. My in-laws live in Lloydminster. I met my wife here. So every summer, I'd come back to Lloydminster for holidays. I like coming to Lloyd. It's a great place to come. Uh, I could go golfing at Sandy Beach, and I love golfing on those sand greens and, you know, cheap golf, and, you know, it was fun, and, you know, you could do that thing. I loved going fishing and catching, you know, pike, you know, and just, in, in just over the border in Alberta there and near Bonneville, and it was wonderful. I loved going and shooting gophers and riding ATVs and doing all the things that we did out at the farm there, and it was wonderful and it was great until we had kids. <laughs> <laughs> and I can remember distinctly one summer having all this agenda for my, my holiday in Lloydminster. I wanted to golf. I wanted to fish. I wanted to do, you know, do-do. And then I had these two kids, one turning three, one about 18 months. And uh, I don't know if you've ever taken an 18-month in a boat, you know. Like, it's not a a great idea unless you have a pontoon boat. It's like a big, you know, which is like a playpen. I mean, if it's like a little 12-foot aluminum, it's not a good idea. Like, it's just not a good idea. And so so I I felt I had this battle raging in me that I, I wanted to do Things for my holiday but here i was now a husband and a father and a dad and and at that moment i just felt like this is one of those give up moments where i just had to surrender my own desires my own wants my own agenda for my vacation and embrace the new agenda that god had given to me that i needed to be a husband and a father during my holidays and not a fisherman and a golfer and a hunter and all these mighty things that I, I love doing. I just like, hey, okay, Lord, I, I give that over to you, and now I'm, I'm going to just approach my holidays for a, 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 from the enjoyment of a two-year-old and a three-year-old. And while I let go of something, I discovered something that I would have missed had I just kept pursuing my own agenda. Just the beauty of playing in the sand with a toddler and, you know, riding around slowly and safely a quad <laughs> with a toddler you know just different you, you see life and, and you go a little slower and, and you see things that maybe you wouldn't have seen as an adult walking and trying to accomplish your agenda and as we move up and out there are periods in time when god just says give up give up and it's usually some area of control in our lives that we've held on to right like well, i can't give that up and, and he's like look i want to take you further but you got to release so that i can fill up with something else and I believe that's what Paul the Bible talks about here in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. And this is a familiar passage. You've probably heard it preached on many times. I'm just going to come at it from this angle, though, of give up. And track with me here, because all of us, and this this is not a one-time event. This is something that, as you, you know, different stages of life, you give things up, and, you know, you know some of you have been at the point where your kids have graduated, and you have to give them up as they move into adulthood, and you have to just kind of hand them over and watch them make adult decisions and, you know, make the same poor decisions or, you know, have the same failures you might have made and you wonder, oh, man, I wish I, I could have protected from that, but that's that's life you give up. As we get older, sometimes we give up the control of, of, of our health. We just realize, okay, I'm, I'm no longer in the state I, th- I once was and I have to accept a new reality. We have to give up at every phase in life. But what the Scripture tells us is that Giving up, we discover something better. God invites us to this life of continual surrender. So Romans 12, verse uh, 1 and 2. He says, I exhort you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a sacrifice, alive, holy, and pleasing to God, which is your reasonable service. Or if you have the NIV, it might say you're, you're holy act of worship or your act of of worship and and service he says do not be conformed to this present world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may be able to test and approve what is the will of god what is good well-pleasing and perfect he says so at the end of this process of giving up you are able to discover what god really wants to do with your life the will of god i mean that's that's the mystery that we all want to know what is god's will for my life he's like well here's here's the key to it If you come to this place of giving up, at the end of this, you will discover God's will. And it's amazing that God actually wants to work through me and you. Ordinary, flawed, messed up people that God says, yes, I want to accomplish my will in this world through you. And the key to to discovering that is, is of course, found in in verse 1 there, that we have to present our bodies as a sacrifice second view of God's mercy. Romans chapter 1 to 11, he's talking about the plan of salvation, right? Yeah. How how at, no one is 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 on their own righteous before God. We're all messed up. There's the judgment against sin stands equally against all of us. Non-Jews, Jews, everyone is is lost and hopeless and helpless without a righteous provision who is Christ. And through the righteousness through Jesus Christ, we can be made righteous by faith. And it says in Romans 5, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And, and you know, God demonstrates his love for us in this, and while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And he, he talks about that. And, and in Romans 8, he's like, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And Romans 9 to 11, he's showing how God's merciful plan is accomplished, even though he's kind of let Israel kind of put, put him in a, in a bit of a, a neutral mode right now while he's focusing on building the church. And he ends chapter 11 saying, You know, the mysteries of God, you know, his ways are unfathomable, and to him be glory forever and ever. Oh, Amen. It's kind of this great doxology. Basically, none of us really know the mind of God. Don't even try to figure it out because we're not God. But we have received his mercy. He said, In light of the mercy, that God didn't give you what you deserved, he gave that to Christ, actually, on the cross. He gave Christ the punishment for our sins, he allowed him to, to bear that on our behalf. And, what we receive through faith in Christ is actually grace. It's a gift. Um, he says, in light of this, the fact that Jesus gave his all for you, I'm encouraging you. He doesn't command them. He doesn't be like, you gotta do this. He's like, I'm, I'm pleading with you. Really, that's the way the, the, the word describes it there. I'm pleading with you to present your bodies as a sacrifice. Why does he use the term body? Like, isn't isn't our life with God kind of just a spiritual thing? Why is he talking about our our flesh and our and our bones and, 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 our, and our physical existence? What what's the point here? Is, isn't, is it just, isn't Christianity just something you kind of you, you have in your head and your heart and you, it doesn't really, you know. But, but what he's saying is this goes from your head to your heart to your hands. It it's real. You live it out. I want you to offer your bodies as a sacrifice what kind of sacrifice it's a living one it's alive it's holy and it's pleasing to god the ancient world they understood sacrifice i mean you could we could walk you know down the roman and there there were temples all around you know And, and in fact even today if you go to rome you can actually see the old part right in the center. It's kind of just all runes, but there's still pillars sitting from like the temple to Jupiter and stuff. And I mean, the people would go, they would, you know, slaughter animals, blood would flow. I mean, they were used to seeing this image. We're not used to seeing it unless you're, of course, like a hunter or a farmer and you slaughter your own animals. Maybe you're used to seeing it, but for the average, you know, person, we we don't see that process, right? We just kind of go to the grocery store and there's the meat, you know, and, and we eat it and we enjoy it. These people were used to seeing this offering. See, but, but, but it's not like the sacrifice you see down at those temples. This is a living sacrifice. It's, it's ongoing. It doesn't actually stop. you. It's a continual sacrifice. It's, it's daily surrender to God in living a life that's, that's holy and that's pleasing to Him. You see, in the Old Testament, when you would offer the sacrifice, this aroma would go up, and that was sort of a, a sign that God had, had received the sacrifice and was pleased with the sacrifice. He says, offer yourself in, in that way. He says, the result of that is that this is, is a reasonable thing. Or, or in the name he says, the spiritual act of worship. And you're like, hey, what, what is it? Is it reasonable? Is it spiritual? And, and that word literally could mean either one and both together, right? It, it is a reasonable thing to, for God to expect us to, to offer our bodies and our lives back to him because he offered his life for us. I mean, that, that's, that's, a, that's a logical conclusion. But it's it's also a spiritual component that we do where we say, I believe this, I, I, I embrace it with my hand and my heart, and now I'm going to live it. Spiritual act of worship. It's reasonable. It's, it's the right thing to do. You remember that Quaker Olds commercial? It's the right thing to do. This is, this is what he's saying here. It's good for you. It's, it's right. It's appropriate. It's logical. It makes sense. And then he gets more practical. He says, don't be conformed to this present world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may test, approve what is the will of God, the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. I mean, you, you, you can actually figure this out, but he said, the key to this, figuring this will of God out, is, is that you have to get out of the pattern of the world. Don't be conformed. That, that word is, is, the, is, is the word from which we get our word schematics. That the world in which we live has, has its own schematics, its own draft, its own blueprint and we all live in that blueprint every day. But he says having received Christ, having entered into a relationship with God, having been renewed and made new, a new life in Jesus Christ, he's like you need to reprogram your mind. The way you think about life. And that as you repro- reprogram and, and God transforms your mind, you will begin to do and to live out the will of God in your life. The problem with some Christians is they, they come to faith in Christ, but then they don't allow that programming to occur. And so they've got one foot in the world, and one foot in Jesus, and, and, they, and, and what happens when you have you know, one foot in two different directions? It's like a boat going away from the dock. You, you're, you're hitting the splits, and at one point you've got to pick one side or the other, or you fall into the water. And uh, we can't conform. That word, you know, it, it was like a mold, you know, where you make Jello, you know, little figures, or, you know, Christmas cookies. The world is, is, is you know, punching, you know, different t- cookies and shapes, and it's like, hey, this is the way you need to think and to live. And, and Jesus comes along and says, there's only one, you know, mold here, and that's Jesus Christ. These molds are insufficient, but Christ's mold is perfect. And, and we want to we stamp out the image of Christ in everyone's life who claims to follow him. And, and, but we've got these other molds that we have to kind of clear out of our way. You're, you're bombarded by messages every day. Messages, for instance, about your body. That you need to look a certain way. That, you know, if, 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 if your body is, is not shaped just right, um, and someone determines that. I, I don't know who, who gets together and decides, okay, today skinny is in, or today, you know, uh, you know, broad shoulders are in, narrow shoulders, you know, big head, little head, no hair. hair like, like, who decides this? And some of you and some of us have the pressure of saying, I need to look a certain way. The the pattern of this world, right? And God comes along and says, I made you that way. Your hips, your waistline, your shoulders, your head, your face, your nose, your ears, I made you that way. You're perfect. God looks at you and says, that's just the way I like it. Over here, they're saying, no. You're ugly, too skinny, too fat, too tall, too short, whatever it is. And and, and we say, we throw that away and we allow God to transform us to say, I accept the way you made me, Lord. I'm not going to fight to try to match up to, to some standard that keeps changing, that's so elusive. I mean, no matter how much plastic you put into your body, how many hair transplants, how many, you know, this or that, I mean, you never quite get there. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. Well, how do you transform your mind? You you come to God's Word and you say, what does God's Word say about this? And and it's hard because in every area of our life, right? I mean, it happens in parenting, right? I mean, many parents decide that, that they think they know better than God's Word. And they take the book of Proverbs and they just throw it out because, like, no, that can't be true. That's not right. The world says that that's corporal punishment. I'm, I'm damaging my kids for life. God says, if you don't love your kid, you're not gonna. You, if you love your kid, you discipline them. And we have to choose them. Am I, mean, I gonna follow what Dr. Spock and you know Parenting Magazine says? I'm gonna say what, is, what does God's word say? I mean, you, take your pick. Conform, be trans. comes to money we're told all sorts of things one the one main thing the, the the world tells us is that it's your money everything you have is yours you earned it you got it you made it it's it's yours the bible says the earth is the lord's and everything in it so if you believe this then when you when you look at your money it's not it's not my money it's god's money that he's given to me to look after on his behalf i'm a steward of of his creation and his resources. It's totally different. There was a guy named Laterno that had a heavy equipment business. And he decided that he was gonna live on a certain income. And his business just went crazy and it was massive. But but, and he just kept living on the same income. He kind of gradually increased cost of living. But, but despite the fact that his, his business was growing, his income didn't grow because he, he decided, I'm going to live on this and, and I'm going to give more away. And he'd send it to missionaries and he was starting schools and all these things. And he's like, it's not about you know, how much money I'm going to keep for myself. The question is, how much of God's money I'm going to keep for myself? Transformed by the renewing of your mind. You begin... To see things from a different perspective. But it only comes when you come into God's Word. And frankly, it's not enough just on Sunday morning. I mean, I'm going to do my best. I, I spend my week and I, I pray and I, and I study, but it's not enough. You need to find the truth of God's Word in your life every day. The pressure of this, the world, is squeezing you every day. And without the transforming power of God's Word and His Holy Spirit using that Word in your life, you will begin to be squeezed into this I'm surprised at the the level of profanity in our city it's huge but talking to guys in our church the professional world lives this way in our community i mean they just it's normal you could walk into any shop boardroom business and and people will be using all sorts of that. It's just, instead of finding adjectives and adverbs, they just have certain ones they insert, right? It's that, that, and some of you live in that, you work in that environment. I mean, that's, and that's, and if you just are constantly surrounded in that, eventually that's going to start flowing out of your mouth. And so my grade four and my grade five kids are like, man, you should hear what the kids are saying in school. Where are the kids hearing this? Sometimes it's on TV, sometimes it's music, but probably it's at home. What does God's word say about the tongue and the use of speech? Transformed by the renewing of your mind. Because when you do that, You can test and approve what is the will of god you you have god's word in your mind you can say what what does god want me to do in this circumstance and is this the right thing and 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 sometimes he doesn't give you an answer but but you're walking in obedience and the opportunity comes and you just make the decision because you're you're walking in obedience and you're not being squeezed over here but you're being transformed i mean it's the same word you know from which we we get our english word metamorphosis you know the, the caterpillar that turns into the butterfly it's the word that used to describe Jesus as he goes up onto the Mount of Transfiguration and, and he's, you know, his glory appears to you know Peter James and John, and, and it's just this is wonderful, and I mean he was metamorphosized in front of them. I mean, he's like, be transformed, where the living power of the Word of God changes the way you see yourself and the way you see others. But it comes in this act of surrender at least i shared a story with the ladies and so understand sometimes we do this we kind of share resources <laughs> i'm gonna share it with the rest of you today because it's, it's a great story this comes from adrian rogers study on uh, kingdom authority he says this i had the privilege to preach in romania shortly after god brought spiritual revival to this nation which had been liberated from a cruel communist government one of the leaders in that revival was a man named Joseph's son. Part of what made this man a mighty servant to the Lord was his exercise of kingdom authority. Suffering at the hands of the communists with brutal beatings, imprisonments, and death threats, he learned the victory that comes so sweetly in surrendering to the Savior. As Joseph and I rode in his car, I said, Joseph, tell me about American Christianity. He said, Adrian, I'd rather not. I said, no, I want to know. He then said, well, Adrian, since you asked me, I'll tell you. The key I said, that's good, isn't it, Joseph? He replied, no, it's not. As a matter of fact, the word commitment did not come into great usage in the English language until about the 1960s. In Romania, we don't even have a word to translate the English word commitment. If you were to use commitment in your message tonight, I would not have a proper word to translate it with. Joseph continued, when a new word comes into usage, it generally pushes an old word out. I began to study and found that the old word that commitment replaced, Adrian, the old word that is no longer in vogue in America is the word surrender. Joseph, I asked what is the difference between commitment and surrender he said well when you make a commitment you're still in control no matter how noble the thing you commit to one could commit to pray study the Bible give his money to make automobile payments or to lose weight whatever he or she does to do they commit to it surrender is different someone holds a gun and asks you to lift your hands in the air as a token of surrender you don't tell the individual what you're committed to you simply surrender and do as you are told He said, Americans love commitment because they're still in control. But the key word is surrender. We ought to be the slaves of the Lord Jesus Christ. I had to say amen in my heart. Never were more profound words spoken and never a greater challenge given than those words to me that day. Of course, there are many things we may be committed to in a godly and wholesome way, but nothing can take the place of absolute surrender. The main verb in this passage is offer it could be translated surrender submit give up and in giving up you you don't longer no longer conform but you transform and then at the end of this transformation process you discover God's will people that discover God's will guess what are moving up and out in new life in Jesus Christ God's will is is him working in and through you to accomplish eternal things of internal consequence. I mean, I don't know about you, but for me, I don't want my life to be a waste. And and, and the Bible says it it isn't a waste. Your life is key to God's purposes and plan for for eternity when you give up, when you surrender. I mean, throughout the Bible, men and women are, are called to this. And sometimes you think, okay, this is something I do when I'm really young in the faith. No, no, no. It keeps coming up. It never actually goes away. I'm sorry, but every day is a new day of surrender. Every new season of life is a new season of surrender. It doesn't always get easier. Sometimes it gets harder as you give up, as you release control, and as you allow God to work in and through you and to accomplish His purposes, even in your suffering, Abraham was a man of great faith, and God took him through many trials. I mean, he makes a promise to him. You're, you're going you're to be the father of a great nation. Oh, by the way, Abraham, you don't have any kids. Good luck with that, eh? You know, ancient Near East, you're a loser. If you don't have kids, forget it. Your life is over. Your, your family lineage is, is dead. You're, you know, you're, you're not going to leave any legacy or nothing. And, and, and God's like, Abraham, you're going to have an incredible legacy. As, as the stars of the sky, that's what your descendants going to be like. And he's like, how can that be? I, you know, the life, my opportunities for expanding my family are rapidly closing God. And he has to trust God through that. And, and God eventually provides. And he goes through many different trials. And, 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 you know, and he's growing in his faith. And as, he, as he's maturing in his faith, finally God gives him the promised son, Isaac. And, and Isaac is growing. And, and everything is good and great and wonderful. And then God says to him, Oh, Abraham, by the way, take your son your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and sacrifice him in the place that I'm going to show you. Near the end of his life, I mean, he's gone through through the school of hard knocks and difficult situations and suffering and trials and and things are finally going smooth and God's like, oh, by the way, Abraham, here's the biggie. Do you trust me, Abraham? Am I truly your God? Then show it to me by bringing your son up to the mountain and sacrificing him there. I mean, what a, what a crazy thing. And so Abraham, early the next morning, gets up. He's learned this lesson. This makes no sense to me, but I trust you, Lord. You know, packing up the wood, getting the fire, you know, and, and they're, they're moving along with the servant, and his son's like, hey, Dad, obviously we're going to worship God, but I see you got the fire, I see you got, you know, the wood, and, and you know, and, and we're going, but where's the lamb? This is a little weird, because usually whenever we sacrifice, we always got something to sacrifice, but where's the lamb? And Abraham's like, um... God will provide the lamb. <laughs> he gets up there. He sets up the altar. and He puts the wood on it. And then he ties up his son. son, probably the age of my son, you know, 13. I mean, I couldn't tie my boy up if he knew he was going to get sacrificed. You know, wiry, you know. You know. I, I, I wouldn't be able to do it. I mean, but he ties him up, you know, and he puts him on there, and he gets out the knife. Oh, here it is, you know. And... Stop, Abraham. I know you truly trust me. And then, oh, you hear this rustling in the bushes. There's a ram. Oh, coincidence. No. Providence God provides. But he's willing to give up his son. And Of course, that points forward to to God himself, the father who gives up his son for us. I mean, giving up is essentially following Jesus because that's what he did for us. The more we dwell and, and remember that startup reality that we have in Jesus Christ, the easier it is to give up because you realize nothing that I have to release compares to what God released and gave up for, for me to have salvation. And whenever you give up, God always gives back. I mean, sometimes it, it works in, in a, like, I, I give money, God blesses me back. But not always it, it, is the blessing financial. Other times the blessing comes through just seeing how that money goes to help others come to know Jesus and, and start up and grow in their faith. And you just see how, how it blesses the church. I mean, you give to, to, you know, buy a chair or two here. And you see, you know, someday down the road a new family's going to come and sit in those new chairs and hear the gospel and commit their life to Christ. And you're going to say, I'm so glad I bought those chairs because, look, you know. And you'll see the, the blessing in and. and, and But every time you give up, as painful as it is, God pours back into your life. Some of those give up realities are are hard. Some of you have gone through some very hurtful situations. You've been abandoned. You've been uh, rejected. You've been betrayed. And as you move forward in your faith journey, you have to give that up. Sometimes the perpetrator and the offender never even owns up to what he or she did to you. Even when confronted, they, you know, they justify and are defensive and, and and there's a point in which you can never truly reconcile because they are not admitting their sin and and you've been affected by their sin, but there is a point in your journey where you just got to let it go. Say, God, I give this to you. You know what they did to me? You know how hard that was? You know how hurtful it was? You know the pain that I live with? But I give it to you. I forgive them. And I leave them in your hands for you to deal with them. You, you can't move up and out in a new life in Jesus Christ if you if you carry that bitterness. And, and I know that's a hard thing to do. I'm not saying it's easy, simple, or just like, yay, yeah, yeah, I write it on a piece of paper, it's over. I mean, it's a daily thing. You see something, you see an old picture, someone... You know, something on Facebook, and it reminds you of something, and the bitterness begins to, to boil up in your heart, and you got to be like, no, I gave that up, and I'm giving it up again. Here it is. Take it, Lord. I, I want, I'm moving on from that. And, and you step forward, up and out, in new life in Jesus. As you get older, you have to give up control over, over you know, different aspects of your life, and, and that's not easy. But God is with you in and through those moments. we just cling to him and we trust him and he carries us through it sometimes you have to give up your popularity to follow jesus You have to give up your, your security right if you stick your head up and identify yourself as a follower of jesus and and you know and maybe you, you know maybe you speak up in the shop and be like look, look guys i don't want to hear that language when i'm around it's offensive to me when when you say the name of my savior in an inappropriate way you're going to be labeled, absolutely. Are you willing to give up your security, your, your popularity? If you go to this high school and college and you, and you kind of stand up for Jesus, I mean, you're giving something up. But are, are you willing to do that, to follow Jesus, to move up and out? Are you willing to say, yeah, you know what, I, I don't care if I'm, I'm considered to be cool. Jesus is cool, and that's what I'm, I'm, I'm focusing my life around. I mean, what, what are, you know, are, are you willing to, to just trust God in this process? Give up. But we're going to end our service with. Just a couple songs of surrender and consecration. Team's going to come up, and this is kind of our response to this text. Um, if you've never made that first act of surrender to Jesus Christ as your Savior, I would encourage you to do that today, but in each of every one of our lives, there is something that, you know, we, we can surrender today in order to move up with Christ today and tomorrow. And it's also just an attitude of being willing when confronted with that, that, that step to just take it. Lord, I, I give this to you. And I trust you as I, as I move forward that, that you'll take care of me, you'll guide me, you'll provide for me. I give up. And when you do that, God will fill you with things you could never even imagine were possible. He may not take away the circumstance of difficulty, but he will give you a peace in that circumstance that you would have never found otherwise give up. Would you pray with me as we uh, prepare to just spend some time in worship in response and praise?